Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. And I am your host, Blake Monroe. We're joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, we're going to jump right into it. A lot going on, a lot to talk about. But the main thing first, Texas ranked number seven in the college football playoff rankings. Robert, we were talking about them being projected yesterday. Are y'all surprised by the ranking or right where y'all thought? No, I'm not surprised. I mean, the, look, there's undefeated teams and then there's Oregon and Texas right now. Yep. And Oregon had rated, been rated ahead of Texas the last time. Nothing changed uh, the week before Oregon stomped whoever they were playing. Texas beat a ranked team. Uh, more importantly, we saw a tweet earlier today, uh, Jerry, that was uh, more relevant in my opinion. You know, there are only three teams right now in the AP 20 top 25 that have beaten three other AP top 25 teams right now. Yeah. Uh, one of those is Texas. The other of which are Arizona. Who's had a really good, the Jed Fish is doing a great job there. And, and Alabama. Yeah. And so Texas ostensibly still has the best win over any team that uh, has one loss for sure. Yeah. Um, and Oregon right now, I think, only has one win over a team with a winning record. Right. So, I, look, I don't know what's going to play out over the next three weeks uh, as far as it relates to the college football playoff. Uh, but the Longhorns, in my opinion, uh, are primed to be in, in position to – everything's on the table. I mean, everything is on the table still. So, uh, Wimberley, Texas, I love that place. All right. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the the idea, though, that Oregon is going to stay ahead of Texas no matter what, I think yeah. is fallacy. It, it'll depend on how they play the le- next three weeks. Actually, if they get to the Big 12 championship game in the next four weeks. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, and I, I remain the same on this. If there's a, the, the best case scenario for Texas in all this is Georgia wins out. Um, I, who has hit two tough games coming up now, Ole Miss and at Tennessee. But Alabama wins out and beats Georgia in the SEC title game. Texas wins out and w- wins the Big 12 title game. I think if those two things happen, I think tech. if it comes down to an Oregon versus Texas, even if Oregon comes back and beats Washington, if Washington stays undefeated, um, I, I think that Texas win over Alabama is going to look so good considering it was a road win by double digits over an Alabama team that went on to win the SEC and uh, in Georgia's three top three Pete hopes. Um, I, I think I, in that scenario, I think Texas would bump in. I guess the other big news uh, that came out late last night or yesterday evening was about PK. And it sounds like USC possibly talking to him. What do y'all think? I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, we're talking about Pete Kwiatkowski. There's a, uh, a report by uh, uh, USC football. Uh, I believe it was uh, that uh, Pete Kwiatkowski would be an object of desire or a person of desire for Lincoln Riley uh, at uh, USC. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's got West Coast ties at the same time. I mean, is that what he wants to do? I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, he's got a, a situation right now in Austin that's pretty, pretty stout uh, and he's got his guys and uh, what he wants to do. So, um, you know, is he going to go there for more money if Texas wants to keep him? Is, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that Lincoln Riley is a better head coach to coach for than Steve Sarkeesian, uh, frankly. I mean, he has just as much autonomy at uh, at Texas as he would at USC, right? 
So yeah. what are you going to make that move for? It definitely costs more to live in L.A., uh, especially close to close to campus. So all of those things are, are interesting. The AD or one of the uh, administrators at the, uh, at USC has a uh, tangential relationship or direct relationship, excuse me, with PK. They were both at Washington at the same time. Um, and so that's that's where they think the, the communication is going to stem from. Uh, and, you know, take it as a tip of the hat. Uh, we Everybody that I know of, every Texas fan I know of, was disappointed in the Longhorns defense two years ago, right? It, you know, cratered in the second half. Last year, they got better. This year, top 10 unit in the country, probably. You know, so uh, take what, what you will from that. But uh, PK is earning his keep right now uh, in Austin. I don't, I don't necessarily think he needs to be going anywhere uh, as of right now. But, uh, you know, we, we will wait and see and see if he just wants to get back out to the West Coast. Never know. All right, guys. The other news, Jerry, and this is right up your alley, of course, today, National Signing Day for mm -hmm. basketball. And I know you're expecting a couple of things to happen for Texas. Can you tell folks about that? Yeah, it's the, it's the early signing period for all for all sports. I mean, it's a big day. I mean, right? For, it's a big week. It starts uh, today on the 8th, goes to the 15th. That's for all sports at Texas. Men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, track and field. There's a lot of signings. Um, that, that are going to happen in the next week. They're going to be impactful volleyball for the University of Texas, right? Sand, uh, sand volleyball now has a program. So all these programs are going to sign prospects here in this early signing period. On the men's basketball side, they have two commitments. Uh, Cam Scott, number 34 in the country overall in the on-three industry ranking, 6'5 shooting guard out of Lexington, South Carolina, number one ranked player in the South state of South Carolina, and Nick Cody. Uh, six, eight and a half power forward out of Carrollton Newman Smith up in the DFW area, the number one ranked prospect in Texas. Uh, so those two guys expected to sign with Texas. I don't know. We don't have specific time when that happens. Texas normally has a release later in the afternoon. Um, uh, but if both those kids sign today, but both are expected to sign with Texas here, it could be today, it could be tomorrow. Uh, we'll see when that exactly happens. Um, but then, you know, Texas still awaiting the decision of Trey Johnson, number four ranked prospect in the country, Texas or Baylor. I mean, it's it's down to it. Both those teams are uh, in a real battle there for the number four ranked player in the country, 6'5", scoring machine out of Lake Highlands and Richardson area that's now at Link, Prep, uh, Link Academy in Branson, Missouri for his senior season. Uh, big thing there is, you know, I think, he si I think he signs early or expected to sign early because, you know, as a senior – uh, in Missouri, once you sign, you can make NIL money as a high school uh, player in the state of Missouri. So not like that'd be really impactful for him, but it, it it's impactful nonetheless. He signed with Lyft Agency. That is his NIL representation. Um, that is um, uh, for, former NBA player Mike Miller, uh, 6'8 guard, shoot it, played at Florida, lives in the Memphis area. That's his uh, his company that he runs there. So we'll see what happens to Trey Johnson, but Texas is expecting two of the top 45 prospects in the country. Um, and Cam Scott's a kid that's really come on this summer. He's now being mocked in the first round of 2025 NBA drafts right around that lottery time. So Cam Scott's a kid who's really extended in the last year. Hey, I want to, I want to mention this too, because you, you talked about basketball and certainly the, the number one sport of that fall signing period. Right. Um, but the great thing about Texas is they have such a rich history of um, sports, non-major sports, whether it's basketball or football, right? They've got great basket, yep. great volleyball, uh, 
tennis, golf has been tremendous. Swimming and diving is ridiculous, yes. right? And I think one of the things, great things about uh, Texas sports is that a lot of people have their primary sport, right? Which for most people is football. Uh, and then they have a secondary sport they kind of keep up with. Maybe it's basketball. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's softball, as we just saw, or golf or whatever. I'm anxious. to. I'd like to know if people have that kind of that thing that they follow as a second sport. If there's any guys or, or women out there that are like world class, special, like number one golfer in the country or number one volleyball player in the country, that sort of stuff. I think that's kind of neat about uh, the University of Texas, because they don't just attract right. you know, the Vince Youngs. and They're uh, world, world, worldwide in other sports, worldwide. Right, exactly. And so there may be the next, you know, whoever for swimming. I mean, just yeah. to be, I mean, they what? how many gold medals do they have there? I, I, I don't follow that all close enough, but I'd love to know for people that do, if, if they if they can mention that and let us know, because I've I enjoy following that stuff. And uh, whenever, you know, when Justin Spieth wins a major, yes, Texas fans get a little charge out of it usually. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Travis Acton is Quinn playing this weekend. We don't know yet. I think there's a uh, shot here. Uh, but I, I think Sark goes to the uh, mic tomorrow at uh, uh, tomorrow around 11 on Thursday or does his weekly Zoom, his second press conference media uh, availability of the week. I'll be interested to see what he says. I think the last two days of practice have, are going to be key in that decision. But I, I, uh, I'm, I, I've said this before. Quinn's going to play again this year. Is it this weekend or is it next weekend? We'll find out shortly. Somebody asked about the basketball team predictions. I think they can be a second weekend team again if they pull it all together. To D- when Disu gets healthy, I think he's on track to be December. If D- when Disu gets back, what? How long does it take to pull this thing together? How is he close to what he was at the end of the year? If he's close to what he was at the end of the year, this Texas team will be really good. Hey, Jerry, one other basketball question while we're on the subject of it. Nathan says, is Texas going to look for a high school guy to stash and develop for his prior that guy in this class, technically? Yeah, prior was that guy, and he's going to zip right by stash and develop. He's going to end up being a, a pro player one day. Oh, wow. He's really, he's really, really talented, long, fluid. But he's really good. Latest, somebody keeps asking about Hunter Modern. Texas is not recruiting Hunter Modern. And haven't been for six months. Right. Hi, guys. You're watching Coffee and Football presented by Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. And speaking of Adam Lowy, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about the Lowy Law Firm. Yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate our sponsors here at Coffee and Football and on Texas football generally. Uh, Adam and his group uh, are uh, really who you want to call. If you've been injured in a car wreck, or on the job, give Adam and his group a, a shout. Uh, they will give you a free consultation uh, and allow you to basically get uh, get uh, contacted. Uh, you can have 15-minute 15, 15 consultation for absolutely free, even more if you need it. Uh, reach out to Adam at LoweyLawFirm.com. That's LoweyLawFirm.com for a free consultation if you've been injured in a car wreck or uh, on the job. Uh, Adam, his group, I've gotten several comments that people have went to him and uh, had some success. So uh, please reach out to him at LoweyLawFirm.com. All right. Uh, Jerry, I know there was one thing that you wanted to talk about before we get to questions, and I'm going to bring it up here. Uh, This from PFF about Texas defensive tackle duo in week 10. And uh, Sweat and Murphy graded second and third in the nation. Jerry, I'm going to let you give your thoughts on that. I mean, it's a Sark's point, no holding calls on either this year. I mean, that's a pretty, 
I mean, would they be like 99 and 98 if they got holding flags right now, like as far as their grade? But that's number two and number three in the country at D-tackle graded against Kansas State, who was a ranked team, who all they wanted to do was run their ball. And you know what Sweat and Murphy said? You aren't running their ball this week. I mean, that was as uh, – that brought back memories, maybe not statistically, Bobby, but that brought back some memories of Hampton and Rogers in that game, just the way they dominated. Yeah, I neither I, neither one of those guys are as disruptive as those two. Correct. Or Rogers, not trying to, to take away from, from how good they are. Or anything He's like that. 100 tackles in a season, which is yeah. crazy, craziest stat ever for a nose guard in college football. But as a duo – this is the reality. As a duo, it is the best Texas has had in a long time, and it is affecting football games. Yep. Um, and I'll say this. You can have all the pretty pretty players at quarterback and wide receiver and defensive back or wherever. If you don't have the offensive line and the, uh, and the defensive line, that's still where the game is won and lost. And it's no secret and no surprise that Texas is 8-1 and one with an experienced offensive line and an experienced and talented defensive line. Yeah. So we we talk about. I mean, I look. I'm the first person to get excited about KJ Lacey committed committing to Texas, the quarterback out of Sarah Land. Right. At the end of the day, if he doesn't have those guys up front, and they don't have the guys up front on defense, Texas isn't eight and one right now. Yeah. Whether Quinn Ewers is the quarterback or not, they're not eight and one. And Zane Petty said 45 and 95. Obviously, Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton deserve props as well, no doubt. I mean, look, it's a – and Baron Sorrell, who I think is really starting to affect the quarterback more second half of the year. Ethan Burke coming back. I mean, um, look, I mean, it's it's a team sport, um, you know. And But the thing with Texas, when you go into a season uh, with any team, but with Texas, I said, my thought on Texas was if Texas was going to have a, the type of season everybody wanted, your strength of your team has to be – a standout strength of your team, right? I mean, that's just the reality. And Sweat Murphy, D-line, that was a strength uh, to me of this team. That in the in wide receivers plus Sanders headed into the season. And that D-line has come through for Texas against the run, which is what they, they – Texas wants to take away the run, and they have done that this year, especially when it counts. All right, guys. Well, let's get to some questions and plenty of time to get your questions in. So please do so. But we talked about the college football playoff just a second ago. William Nish has the question regarding that. He says, if Texas handles their business and wins the Big 12 championship, do you think that the college football playoff committee could have a bias against Texas because of TCU's performance in the championship game last year? No, because they won at Bama. No, because they won at Bama. And no, because TCU beat Michigan. They didn't lose. They, I mean, the Big Ten should be the one that's biased against. They lost both the semifinal games. Yeah. I mean, so theoretically, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, and 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 the Big Ten's about the. I mean, it looks like they're just about to take knives out and start slicing it. All everybody's going to start taking pokes right now. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a wild month of November. Hey, I, I heard something yesterday, Jerry, that I want to get your take on. Uh, we got Drew Kelson coming up here. Uh, he's going to join us, the former Longhorn national champion, uh, visits with us uh, during the post-game show. He's going to be joining us on Wednesday morning uh, today. Uh, but before I get there, I heard something the other day that was very interesting. So potential openings at Baylor, if Dave Aranda just keeps losing, I, I don't know what they're going to do. 
Uh, U of H, University yep. of Houston, right? Um, don't know what's happening in Aggie land right now today. If they lose to Mississippi State, I think all bets are off. Yeah. Uh, with Oh, we think he's coming back. You know, they lose to Mississippi State. Yeah. Eh. Guys will be cleaning out offices. They don't need to be told. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I heard an interesting name enter the fray in this category for these teams. Garrett Riley. Lincoln Riley's brother uh, is going to be uh, marketable at schools in the state of Texas. Now, whether that's Jeff Trailer taking Baylor or U of H and and then UTSA. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. So that'll be interesting because he hasn't really except exactly lit it up at Clemson this year. No, but he, he doesn't have that that he doesn't have the players to do that with right now, right. but he will, because I'll tell you one thing it's because Daba won't go to the portal. Yeah. I mean, look at uh, that. That's the issue. Um, and so they were built this power, power spread. And that's not what Garrett Riley is. I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if GJ Kenny and Garrett Riley go after the same job. Who and gets Jeff trailer. I think trailers in a notch above those guys, but, but like, because young guys, I mean, like, Kenny versus it versus uh, Riley. If they were the final two for say a U of H job, who gets that? Who gets that? I I think Jeff Trailers just. I mean, look, he's got UTSA going again. They had they had a rough without Frank Harris, but I mean, you, we're going to look up and UTSA is going to be eight and four, nine and three, or at again in counting the bowl game. He's a the guy's tremendous. He's just a winner. Yeah. All right, y'all. As Bobby said, we have Drew Kelton coming up here in just a minute. Jerry, I'm going to let you do everybody's favorite time of the broadcast. Look, and tell look, everybody this is what everybody up. wakes up for right here. It's Manscaped time, man. It's the new Lawnmower 5.0. Don't act like you don't love it. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's a ball trimmer sent from space. And I know Drew Kelson's laughing in the background. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand-new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. We're talking about a next-generation trimmer and interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code ONTEXAS, all caps, high-tech for low places. That's manscaped every man knows how scary it can get when going for a close shave below the belt guys that's why i trust manscaped for all my sensitive areas once again manscaped.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping with code on texas all caps high tech for low places high tech for low places oh, there man. you go that, that 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 is a marketer's dream that product is a marketer's dream if you think about it <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> oh gosh, I love the comments when you're when you're reading that read. It's always so much fun. Hey, there? look, look! It makes my day when these guys tell me where they're uh, chiming in from, and it makes their day from Manscaped reads because it makes them laugh. That's what we're doing. <laughs> but hey, but people know Manscaped. <laughs> oh, the Wolf of Wall Street shots again, says <laughs> Bobby Petronic. All right, guys. Well, Drew Kelson is with us. I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. And Drew, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, guys. I'm doing great. I'm in cloudy 
45 degree Toledo, Ohio Ooh. right now. Wow, Drew. Uh, so, so fun stuff. Uh, Frank Ocam, who was my roommate in college, uh, he's a defensive line coach at Toledo. So awesome. up here today to, to watch these guys play against Eastern Michigan uh, for a little matching tonight. So. Hey, tell, fun, tell, us, tell us a little bit about Frank Ocam, right? I mean, he was more of a, the quiet guy, right? I remember covering and recruiting. He was a guy that took it all the way to distance, right? I mean, it was Oklahoma State, Texas. But tell everybody a little bit about Frank, man, what they may not know about him, because he's a hell of a coach, defensive line. I mean, when you see a guy who's 6'5", and now he's, you know, over 300, <laughs> I mean, still carrying 300-plus and looks good with it, uh, you get in these situations where you just assume he's supposed to be the meanest, baddest, uh, you know, toughest guy in the world. The funny thing is he is. <laughs> he is a mean, bad, tough guy, but it's also more about other things in life than it is just about football. And so, uh, you know, Frank has, uh, as a roommate, I mean, he's, he's like a brother to me uh, from, from back in college. But I think what you found with him in coaching, uh, because he's, he's coached at Baylor, he coached at Rice. Uh, he went to, um, uh, when he left Baylor, he went to Carolina and coached right. with the Panthers. Uh, then he left Carolina and went to the, to the Raiders uh, and actually got out of both of those situations before those coaches got fired. But he's up here in Toledo now. And I think what he realizes is um, his love is in these kids. Uh, he, he loves these kids. He loves recruiting. He loves connecting with, with young men and developing young men. And I think that goes back to the person he is. But also the guy that, that, that when he was being recruited, he was quiet. He was calculated. Uh, he was very mindful of life beyond football and uh, that's carry over into the way he's 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 led his 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 players so far. That's awesome, Drew. I I love the fact that you're up there. This is a you know this is a relationship you started 20 years ago and you carried it. I, I spent some time this weekend with a guy that I went to college with. You know that's who came up and uh, hung out with me as well. It's just you develop special relationships uh, at that young age and they carry through. And I'm glad that you're being able to experience that with Frank as well. Hey. Uh, Texas has TCU this weekend. Um, a couple of things I want to ask you about TCU, but I want to revert back to uh, the Kansas State game because I had you on with the on the post game show, and you and I and Rod and Jerry, we all talked. You know, looking back on it, it, what do you take away from that Kansas State game as much as anything now, three four days later? Our defense is back, at least last week they were. I mean, we got to remember the way we were really prefacing this coming that week against K-State. Uh, we, we thought we were going to have a lot of trouble against them. Uh, now, the trouble that we found in that game was not the trouble we expected, but we were able to fight through that. Uh, but at the end of the day, Kansas State had a really good team. We cannot take lightly that we were all saying this is going to be a tough game, uh, but our defense showed up to play, so that was good to see uh, because at the beginning of the season, we, we can see that. And yes, we still have some vulnerabilities, but uh, when it really comes down to it, uh, we can lean on our defense. We can lean on our run game. And um, I like that we're positioned there because it really sets a high floor for what we can do moving forward. Hey, Drew, you played uh, with some tremendous defensive linemen at Texas. I mean, you watched from your from your eyes, watch those guys work, right, on a daily basis on Saturdays. What are what are your thoughts on this Texas D line right now? I mean, obviously there are some higher drafted edge prospects at Texas when you were there, right? But what are your thoughts on the D line in general and how they might compare as a unit overall to some of the teams you were on? Because y'all had some great D lines. 
I really think it's just the depth that you love. I don't think people realize how much we rotated guys through. I mean, we had we had Frank Ocam, uh, Rod Wright, Larry Dibbles were, were good depth guys, but then we had a young Roy Miller um, who 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 start earning snaps throughout the season, <laughs> and he starts setting a new standard. I mean, we had guys who were like six five, big big body guys, and Roy came in and just brought a different element. And so I think that's what I see with this group now is that you have different guys with different skill sets. I mean, Tavondre Sweat, there's nothing like Tavondre Sweat on this roster, uh, but he adds his value. I mean, you have Alfred Collins. There are people who envy what Alfred Collins can bring right in that same D-line room. And then there's just that tenacity, consistency, and strength of Byron Murphy. Uh, Vernon Broughton is developing. So you're getting all these various talents that have come together uh, and, and really adding value to that room that allows you to rotate, allow you to maximize guys' strengths. So it's not down to the point that this guy's strong at this, this guy's weak at that, and he gets to play and he doesn't. You know, they're really maximizing when they use these guys. Uh, and then in the fourth quarter and now later in the season, we're still seeing our depth on the D-line. I mean, knock on wood, there's plenty around here and hope I have more, but they've been one of our healthier positions uh, throughout this season. And so I do think that has a lot to do with the depth. Interesting. Uh, uh, Drew, uh, you look at the TCU and uh, Rod Babers makes a big thing about this. Texas has had problems with pass first teams. That's categorically what TCU does, even though they have a, a running game that is has been functional for them. That's what Kendall Bryles uh, brings to the table. Um, Will Howard passed for a career high against the Longhorns, right? They still only scored 30 points and probably, what, 14 of that or 13 of that? came because they were giving the ball inside the Texas 30. Um, how much do stats and stuff like that matter versus a team that's going to throw it around the yard? Like y'all used to play Texas Tech. I go back to that, right? And they threw it 60 times a game. I mean, it literally would. That's how they moved the ball. And so their stats would look skewed in one area, but y'all would stop them running the ball. It, you know, explain to people – what that really means, those, the, the idea that you can only move it through one way or another, is, is making teams one-dimensional part of the Texas game plan and crucial to it. Uh, so you know you're going to get beat in the air every so often, but stopping the run keep, keeps people from being consistent maybe? I think hands down. So, so it's funny, that, that K-State game, we did what we were supposed to do on defense. If, if K-State was going to beat you through the air, they were going to beat you. Uh, it reminds me, I remember when we played USC, Coach Coach Chiz was like, I don't care who else beats us, but we won't let Reggie Bush beat us. Now, we didn't stop Reggie either, but we want to stop what they want to do. You want to stop what they lean on. You want to make them uncomfortable. And so blitzes and different packages and different things that, that can confuse a quarterback uh, definitely go into play here in these games. Uh, but you want to make people uncomfortable. And so if they're rushing, if they love passing the ball, you want to make them have to rely on the run a bit more, mix in run. And, and for them, those are wasted downs. When they have to do things they're uncomfortable with, that can be a wasted down. You want them to waste as many reps or many downs doing things they're uncomfortable with um, as possible. As far as from a week-to-week -week basis and stats go, I'm not as concerned about what the stats say because a lot of teams, and I said this maybe not on the show, but when we played K-State, K-State hadn't played Texas yet. K-State yep. hadn't played the Texas defensive line yet. That's right. And so TCU – has not played Texas and even still have not looked great against who they have played. So when you combined, these teams have not played a, a really talented team in Texas. 
uh, with the fact that Texas has a game plan. They're going to go in. They're going to decide what strengths and weaknesses this game plan they, they can they can exploit, um, and they'll 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 be fine in this game plan. Stats tell a tell a huge story, but they all have context, and I think um, this this game is no different this week. Great stuff, Drew. Great uh, Drew, we have a uh, viewer question that I want to ask you. It's from Zane Petty. He says, Drew, why do we keep playing off coverage with such a dominant D-line? The play after the fumble, we were playing 10 yards is off the ball, no jam, and the wide receiver just ran right past the guy. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, they played more tight coverage last week than they did the week prior when, when I probably blew a gasket on a fourth and two uh, play against BYU. Uh, but you have to mix in looks. That's just part of it. Um, I mean, tight coverage is one of the reasons we we, we were able to get off the field and win that game last week, uh, and even the look of tight coverage. Uh, so you want to mix in looks. Um, I do think down and distance plays a role. Uh, but at the end of the day, on that bail coverage, on that coverage where, where that, that, that deep ball was completed, uh, it was a combination of things that triggered that. Um, uh, whether it be quarterback, cornerback's eyes and staying on top of the receiver or uh, the safety getting deceived by the route coming underneath. And those types of offensive patterns, they want the safety to bite and come up, play underneath so they can get you over the top of you. We've done it multiple times this year, and it happens. Um, it just it didn't happen at a time when we want it to happen. I mean, these things can happen in games, but uh, when that momentum shifting, when we're in the predicament we were in in that game, it feels far worse, but you, sometimes you, they scheme it up, they catch you slipping, and, and that was one of them. But I don't think that's a – in that case, I do not think that was a tight coverage versus off coverage um, issue as much as it was just executing the defense that was called. Hey, Drew, uh, here's a question for you. Um, you've been in a locker room after big wins, heart, heart, heart stoppers like the ones on Saturday – uh, what does Texas now do, and, and what's the feeling inside the locker room, in your opinion, going through this week and headed to TCU with – I mean, look, everything's on the table. We just talked about it in the the opening of this show. Everything's on the ta table for this Texas team. What do you think they're feeling inside the locker room not, right now as it relates to that? So I, I preface this because I've had this conversation plenty of times over, over this year, like how do these things compare? I lost seven games in college. Uh, we had a team and a culture and almost to a detriment a mentality of we expect to win in every game. And sometimes when you expect to win every game, you do not have the same due diligence and how you prepare for every game. This team, while we as fans may say we expect to win, when you look across the roster, guys are still battling for snaps, battling for downs, battling to improve on what they've had every they're not blowing out teams. They're having close battles against teams that seemingly they should take off from. So while that causes us to have heart attacks on weekends, I think it's the healthiest situation uh, this team could be in as they go down this stretch, especially going two games on the road where TCU, we, we understand TCU is, is – I'd liken TCU to BYU uh, this week compared – we have the BYU-K-State back-to-back. I think this TCU-Iowa State on the road will be challenging in that same way. Um, Matt Campbell's been coaching his guys up. Uh, they're looking much better. Uh, even an average TCU team can challenge you defensively if the right guys are in the right spots. And so um, I'm happy that we're in the position we're in where we still have some coaching points. These guys are still getting um, – they're still competing. They still want to be better. They still know that they have to 
uplift uh, some of the, the the younger guys around them and younger quarterback uh, that that's still playing up. So we're not sure what that's going to be this week. At the end of the day, though, um, I think they're the, the mindset in that locker room is right where it needs to be to to to, to go on this next two game stretch before coming home against Texas Tech. Hey, Drew. Final question I have for you: Is it possible at all in life to play nine games? And your two D tackles not get one holding call against them. <laughs> Our guys aren't playing hard enough. They got to go earn those holding calls. <laughs> you only get those calls you earn. So go earn it. Hey, ask Frank if he got a holding call in uh, the, the national championship season all year. <laughs> Listen, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I've sat in the room with, with Frank and uh, Roger Bright, uh, who, who's coaching down at the Texans and the other guys who coached in the league. As a player, you're you're taught to never talk about the refs, right? Ever, ever, ever. When I tell you, coaches talk about refs far more than I <laughs> I'm like, dude, why are you, don't blame the refs? Like, what do we mean the refs did this? He was like, no, they're not consistent on these calls. D line coaches and refs, they do not get along. <laughs> I would not want to be on the back end of, D- of Bo Davis's vitriol. Oh, man. Sure. Not I'm after what uh, happened. D-line, uh, D-line coaches do not like refs. Yeah, I would not want to be there uh, as, as far as that. Hey, we had a great question last night on the live stream, Drew, and I wanted to ask you this one as a, our final question today. We appreciate you, and I know the fans appreciate you stopping in every Wednesday here uh, as well. But um, we had a great question. What do you do? Uh, if you're Steve Sarkeesian, do you take a 70% Quinn Ewers and go with him this week or 100% Malik Murphy, if that's your choice? You know Quinn's not going to be 100%. So what, what, what's the thought there for you? I, I, I think you go – I think you got to go with Malik and wait for Quinn to heal up, to be, to be honest. Um, we've seen quarterbacks come back and not be healthy. Um, and, and that's just that, – that wasn't good enough. Uh, so – I, I, first of all, I trust I trust Sarkeesian's. I, I trust Coach Coach Sark's judgment on this. But but I'll say this: one of the keys to our offense, and I think we've still been able to threaten people with this, is that teams are we're still able to complete enough passes where because teams are doubling Xavier Worthy and leaving yes. Adonai Mitchell open. And as long as Malik is able to put enough pressure on defenses to where they have to double Worthy leave Mitchell open and we still have access to our running game, we're fine. We're fine moving forward. I, I think any quarterback, um, either of these quarterbacks can help us win because that's our formula. And Malik has not, he's made some throws and some mistakes in those throws that he'd love to have back. And we'd love to have that back too. But at the end of the day, he's done enough, uh, especially on that final drive before the end of the game uh, to, to drive us down and get us in field goal range. And that was by completing passes to Adonai Mitchell. That was by, completing a pass to JC, JT Sanders. And so I do think avoiding the turnovers still puts us in position to win these games handedly. Our defense is playing really well. Um, if if viewers is not ready to execute the game plan the way you want, he can't make those throws and you have any concerns about him. You just don't want to put him in those situations uh, because sometimes he likes to use his legs too. And um, we just, we don't want to put him in a compromising position as we go down the stretch. That's a, uh, you make some good points. Uh, I tell you what, it's, it's, it may be hurtful for fans to hear that Texas may not be at 100%, uh, but uh, those are those are the words of Drew Kelson. Drew, thanks so much. Please tell uh, Frank Oakham hello for us. I uh, love the fact that you're up there supporting a, a former teammate. Hey, by the way, Toledo 8-1, and one, only lost to Illinois by two. About two points. 
Somebody's D line's yeah. playing well at Toledo this year. Hey, hey, and, and listen, Frank. Frank got out here after spring. Um, he, he came in after spring, so it's funny. I was talking to him last week. He was like, "Dude, we're having a decent season." He said, "But well, my guys are just now getting used to doing my reps and my drills. I'm starting to finally see it translate to the game." So they've gotten better throughout the season, and uh, I'm, I'm just excited about what, uh, what what he's been able to be a part of up here. That's awesome. All right. Thanks, Drew. You have a good. One. I'll see you on Saturday, right, man. Guys. See you. Take care. Thanks. That's Drew Kelson, former Longhorn national champ. Uh, great guy. Hey, man, uh, Houston Lamar alums should all be uh, should all be very proud every time that guy speaks. Now I know him. Him and Rod do, yeah. do them a a uh, service each and every time. Hey, uh, uh, Blake. Uh, we, we've got some other things going on, but first, I want to say thanks again to our sponsor on Wednesdays. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we can get guys like Drew on in part because of these sponsors. Adam Lowy uh, and his group at the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, they are they specialize in consultations and representation uh, for people who have been injured in car wrecks uh, or on the job. Uh, give Adam a shout, 512-280-0800, or visit him at LoweyLawFirm.com. That's 512-280-0800. Visit him at LoweyLawFirm.com for a free consultation. Adam's a good friend of the program. We appreciate him. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. Hey, I I guess. Really okay. quick, uh, uh, somebody's asking about Devin Sanchez. Is Texas in it? Look, it? Terry Joseph, Bo Davis were at the North Shore Summer Creek game a few weeks ago. You know, when I was by North Shore a few weeks, Texas hasn't pushed as hard as some other teams there. I, and people can say, well, he's five-star. We'll see what happens here in the next couple of months. We'll see if Texas makes a real push. Uh, he's expected to make a decision in the next – at the All-American game or something, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, obviously he's a junior. So, you, you know, these early – commitments just kind of start the process for a lot of these kids nowadays so we'll see what happens long term i'm actually going to get on the road i'm getting on the road today going to see a couple of uh, uh 2025s of note updates on phil same not nothing new there uh you know florida's working to get him to the uh, florida state game um i texas will work to get him on campus some point here in november but it has to be with his father uh texas is talking to him more and more so the communication is just getting more and more uh, this one will play out in the November. Uh, sorry, in the December. Hey, Jerry, one other thing for you. Uh, that yes I, to that question. <laughs> the answer is yes to Flood talking to Byron Washington out of DeSoto, the big monstrous office. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I've neglected to ans- ask you this, and I've been, I thought about it yesterday after the fact. Aaron Hampton, have we heard anything from the young man uh, at Dangerfield? That he's still committed to Texas, even though he was going to go visit like Colorado or something. Did he yeah, ever Oregon? Oregon. I, he he came Oregon. back out and said he saw the Texas. So I, I have a feeling that you know 
from what we hear, Texas has had a conversation. But we'll see why. You look, I think the push is the, push is the two official visit weekends in December. If you're not playing in a conference championship game, that's the issue with this December 20th, this early signing period. You have two weekends at this. Um, so somebody's asking about Jacob Ponton. Uh, we'll, we'll double check on him. Texas likes his senior film. He's committed to Texas Tech, the offensive lineman. Is he a dripping springs? Is that right? Springs, second year playing offensive tackle. Really, really high upside. Looks really good. I, I actually think he's got the highest upside of all the Texas Tech offensive line commitments. All right, John. We got a lot of more questions to get to, including some super chats. So let's knock those out. Dax Kelm. Thank you, Dax. He says, Who was the last team to win a national championship without a dual threat quarterback? It's an interesting question because JT Barrett got Ohio State there and, and he was hurt late in the year. And then they came in with, I, I'm not here to do school. Um, let's see. <laughs> Forgot about that. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think who, who would be your last guy. LSU. Who a dual threat quarterback? I mean, he didn't no, run that much. No. I mean, is Bryce no, Young had the capacity to run. You just need me. a guy that has the ability. They're not true dual threats these days. Right. They're they're guys, they're not Lamar Jackson or Vince right. Young. Right. They're or Cam Newton. They're more guys like Trevor Lawrence who can run when called upon. Stetson Bennett, run when called upon, right? He's definitely not a dual threat quarterback. No, no. Um I'm, so I'm going back. I mean, I guess is it Tebow in 08? The last true no. dual threat guy? No, Cam Newton. Yeah, I was going to say Cam Newton. Newton. Sorry, Cam Newton 10. Jameis Winston was not. Cam Newton 10. Like a true, true dual threat. Yeah. yeah. Jalen Hurts would have been had he won one and been the guy. Yeah. Very true. But I mean, he started that game. So. <laughs> This next super chat, guys, from Steve Elm. And uh, he says, do you think Texas baseball is in a good position relative to our new SEC foes? LSU is crushing it in NIL. Why aren't we beating them in that regard? Woo. Um, look, LSU is absolutely crushing it in NIL. Uh, I've talked to the person that uh, heads up the Texas baseball NIL, and they are doing quite well at Texas. LSU's on a, on a in a different stratosphere in some regards, but uh, the Texas baseball uh, NIL is very very healthy and getting better each and every day. So I'm I'm uh, I think David Pierce has some real advocates in that category and has been getting some help. And you know, look, the great thing about baseball is the majority of scholarship athletes actually only get partial scholarships. And so what you're actually doing when you give the NIL for baseball is just filling out scholarship dollars uh, for a lot of these guys. Uh, and, and that helps them choose Texas over another place that might be more expensive, less expensive, et cetera. Um, but uh, I feel like uh, a little bit of that uh, is, is Texas. Uh, and I think they're doing a good job on NIL. Uh, yes, uh, Paul Skeens was a transfer, for example, that Texas went after. Uh, that's the big, big time uh, right-handed pitcher that uh, I think he went one overall in the draft, Blake. Yeah, um, he was a, he was an Air Force transfer that chose LSU almost strictly because of NIL. Now Texas went after him with NIL too, but LSU uh, won out. So it, there's there's some legitimate issues there, but I don't think Texas is far behind. They're not they're not hurting in that regard. They're they're gaining. For sure. All right, this next super chat from Zeke. 
He says, hook on from Ottawa, Kansas. Is Arch having fun at Texas? Yeah. Uh, my, that's my understanding. I mean, I, we talked to Justin Wells uh, about this last night on the Longhorn live stream. He's been having a good time enjoying UT. I do not think that anybody that starts talking about, about transfer, et cetera, with him, they just don't understand that this was not a one year, six month decision for him. Um, and he's getting trained by a guy that's put a number of quarterbacks in the NFL. There's no other college quarterback or no other college coach who has put more quarterbacks in the NFL than Steve Sarkeesian. There's a reason he chose Texas. Um, and I, while he may be having fun at Texas, I, I think there's a second part of this where he's also all about the future and his future in football. And, and that's why he made the decision he made. All right, guys. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, this next question from Chris Bacon says, do you think Sark will keep QB1 under wraps until game time? Jerry, what do you think? Um, I, I mean, I think he'll try. But do you, really, you don't think he'll just come out and say, I think Quinn's going to go tomorrow? I, I, I think he might call it a game time decision. Not, I mean, that just based on what he said about some other guys. Right, he's practiced well this week. We're going to monitor it the rest of the week, uh, right up to game time. I mean, because Sonny Dykes was asked yesterday about having to prepare for two quarterbacks, and I don't think the preparation for the two quarterbacks is vastly different because it's the scheme. Uh, but I, you know, I think they're going to monitor it, and um, I think Quinn wants to play. I know he wants to play. <laughs> All right, well, this next question is kind of along those same lines, guys, from R. Charnell. He says, good morning from Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Good how for you. Sark, how did Sark divide the reps with Quinn hoping to start and also getting Art some time with the ones in the event that Malik struggles? That's a good question. I don't know how they've divided the reps this week, Jerry. Have you heard anything? I have not. Uh, I have not. Yeah, I, 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 R. Charnell, I wish I knew better on that. Um, uh you know, to what extent, my, my understanding is that Tuesdays are big days for deciding who's really going to play on Saturday. Now, Thursday is the final day for decision, right? Yeah. Uh, and Quinn has played enough that he would know that, but they really start running pregame stuff on Tuesdays that actually gets you going. Um, and so, and get a game plan down, script, etc. So if Quinn went on Tuesday with the ones, that would mean that he's, He's looking in that direction, but uh, look, I think I think Arch is certainly running with the threes right now. If Quinn is indeed practicing full go, we don't even know that yet, Jerry. We yeah. knew he was back at practice, but Sark did not say, "Oh, he's full go." Um, that would mean he's definitely playing on Saturday. So uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. I think that's that's going to be interesting. Hey guys, the next question's from Jason, and he says. Are games closer than they should be because Texas is playing down to opponents or because teams are throwing the kitchen sink at them? Both. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little both. You know, Texas had an opportunity to wipe Kansas, wipe the floor with Kansas State and didn't do it. And U of H. And U of H didn't do it. Um, so I, I feel like it's a little bit of both. Uh, they haven't capitalized on some opportunities when – the, the the it was there for the taking at the same time you know we heard about u of h running a three high safety look they hadn't run all year um you know kansas state hasn't thrown the ball 
that many times and I don't know, five years, you know, in a single game. Uh, so you look at it that way. And yes, Texas gets a little bit of something extra from people. Uh, they have to because they those teams know that they, they can compete. It's like, look, I'll, I'll tell you this. If you're a TCU and you lost to Kansas State on the road 41 to nothing, okay, what matters more to recruiting, Jerry? Losing on the road 41 to nothing or a close loss to Texas later? Yeah. Well, I mean, those coaches know that Texas carries a marquee tag next to it. More people, you're going to get more viewership. Yeah, more people are going to be act, impacted by it. Alums are going to care more about it. So naturally, I mean, Dana Holgerson said as much. Yeah, TCU had two games to bring that, that's going to get the recruits out: Colorado and Texas. That's it. That's it. And it's not just recruits; it's the fan base, it's the yep. donors. You don't think Dana Hol- T- Tillman Fertitta wasn't just sitting there at, at U of H saying, "Please, baby, please, I'll have something to sell." Yeah, you don't think. You know, no, Drake no. McLean and Baylor, are, those guys are not crazy about losing like a dog to Texas. Um, you know, I, I think that it's why Texas Tech makes circles it. It's why everybody does. You know, I can guarantee you Matt Campbell. I mean, look, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, there's no real mix of why Texas and Iowa State should care much about one another. There's no local tie, et cetera. Matt Campbell makes it a rallying cry for his entire program by calling it the three stars versus the five stars. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they get extra. I mean, it's – And especially – I, I will say this. It won't be that way. In the, and this is why I was yeah. talking about it. It will not be that way in the SEC. Yeah. And that – that not that Texas won't be a big game for folks. It's just a different category – and that's why one of the things I think Steve Sarkeesian may end up being a better offensive coordinator for the SEC as opposed to the Big 12 because teams aren't going to be worried about every little nook and cranny of the Texas offense because they got to face Lane Kiffin the next week, then Josh, Josh Heupel, then whatever Alabama is going to throw out there, and then Georgia. Texas is going to be one of the guys as opposed to the guy. And, and the point, to Bobby's point, the reality is – it's the game that just doesn't get circled once this year it gets circled three times this year because it's the last chance. And the reality is Texas goes into the SEC. Georgia's the one circled. Alabama's the one circled. And LSU probably more than Texas is the one circled when you head into the SEC, unless Texas goes on the magic carpet ride in the season. Uh, that's just the reality when they go into the, uh, the SEC. All right, y'all, we got some more Super Chats to get to. This first one from PK25. He says, good morning from Odessa, Texas. Out of the last three games we play, which one should we be worried the most about? And do you think that Brett Yormark will be at Texas and Texas Tech? Can I answer for Bobby? Let's be clear, it's the next game. But uh, <laughs> And then if you win that, it's the next game, then the next game. It's still TCU for me because pass-first offense is what Rod talked about, what we had Drew comment on. This is the team. Now, now, they have three receivers that are out this week. Uh, it, Sonny Dyke said that yesterday. Warren Thompson, um, uh, what's his name? The kid that transferred from, uh, uh, from Beck. Beck, Dylan Wright and Beck transferred from LSU. All out. So, they don't have the depth they've 
they wanted to this season. They've had some injuries, but this is still the best group of receivers left, the best passing offense left to tech to really test that Texas uh, secondary. Because the reality is Iowa State struggles to score the football. I mean, it's going to be cold. It's going to be a lower scoring game probably, but they still struggle to move and score the football against Kansas. So what are they going to do against Texas? And then Texas Tech at the end of the year. I've said this all. Uh, I've been saying this since the end of the K-State game. If Texas gets through the next two games and they're 10-1 and one with Tech coming to town, I can you imagine how jacked up this team's going to be and the crowd's going to be? Tech has a monumental task in front of them at that point. Yes, Brett Yormark will be there. He will not be invited by Texas administration. Uh, he will have to sit with Texas Tech. I can tell you that. And that's from folks that I've spoken with. He won't be. He won't be getting a. a, a he won't be sitting with the president of the university or the athletic director. Very interesting. And nor, nor should he. I mean, what a jerk. Yeah. I mean, these guys. Oh, I, I love it. I, by the way, Jerry, I, I go back to this. I, I tweeted this. I, I rarely tweet, by the, by the way. If people don't notice. I like do it once a week, maybe at most. Just not my thing. But after that K-State win, I went back and found that John Wisner's comment. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, we, we, Texas would prefer to lose to, to Alabama than to Kansas State. Remember that comment? Texas beat them both this year. Yep. Bite me. I mean, that dude, <laughs> well, he's, he's still employed, by the way, by the Big 12. No bias there. Somebody, I, Casey, I said, Bobby, exactly Bobby, Texas needs to leave. Casey said, invite your mock to the one fun tailgate, Bobby. I, I'll do it. Yeah. He'll, get a, he'll get a special one. It'll be an engraved <laughs> communication. We'll invite him to our pre, our, our, our long OTF pregame, too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's all just. You know, rotten tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. We got to move on to the next Super Chat. This one from Justin Yarbrough. Thank you, Justin. He says, referring to the Malik and Quinn question, are we even sure Malik is at 100% with with missing a practice here and there? No, I, I'm not. Um, uh, now, I don't think that affects the decision-making, which has been his issue. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I'd be surprised if he was. Bobby. Yeah. So you're saying a 70% Quinn Ewers versus a 85% Malik Murphy. <laughs> that's the that's the juxtaposition. We'll see. All right, guys. This next super chat is about recruiting from Johnny Epps. He says, Why aren't we pushing for Draylon Miller or Jay Christian? Yeah, it's, it's just uh I just think Draylon Miller's not really the body type, the type of receiver that Texas is looking for in this class. I mean, they're they're, they've obviously gone for size, and with Freddie Dubose, they went for an explosive athlete with upside at, at the receiver position. Um, so I, I just think it's simple as that. I mean, Draylon Miller is more of a – he's got more of that safety build body type that, you know, he's going to be a 6'1", 215-pound guy probably, or should be, or maybe. Um, but it's just a different body type. I, I don't think – I don't think – Sark has recruited a lot of that body type at wide receiver. If you look at his history. All right. Then this next question here uh, has to do with some more current commits from King me. He says of the lower ranked recruits, how has Trey Owens and Christian Clark seasons fared this year? And do they move up in the rankings? Well, Christian Clark had the knee injury early in the season and that really set him back. I'm not sure he's quite, 
the long speed is what he had last year because of that knee injury. Boy, he's really good at cutting, though. Uh, so I could be wrong there. Um, but he just wasn't healthy for half the season. Uh, Trey Owens, look, they play Bel Air Friday, which they should beat. Then they're going to get Katie in round two. There's certain opportunities these kids have in the playoffs to really grab attention and kind of make a move in this rankings process. It's the it's the playoffs, playoffs, and it's the all-star games. I mean, and that's the reality. Trey Owens and Cy Fair landing rink too. They're going to be probably going up against KD in round two. That's going to put a lot of eyeballs on those guys if they have really good games. I'm interested to see how if if Trey Owens gets time in the pocket or can make extra time in the pocket. Um, is he he's expected to repeat as district player of the year, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's had that kind of year. Just to give people a a, a sense of that, uh, he's still he's still in that category. Uh, somebody's asked about Parker Livingstone injury. I don't think he's playing this season. He still had a boot on as of a couple of weeks ago. So I think he's out for the year. Now, let's do a couple more recruiting questions here. Healy for Healy ninety three says, "I know fans may have moved on, but we know how the staff continues to recruit. Any chance they try to bring in Hudson for the Tech game?" I haven't heard anything on that one uh, with Wingo committed. Um, I, I think you're gonna. I think it's more of a portal move from here on out at wide receiver recruiting. I I completely agree with Jerry. I don't expect anything with Micah Hudson unless Micah Hudson initiates that. Um, and that's that. That has to be. You know, y'all kind of remember Micah Hudson's dad played at Tech. That would be not with a and I mean, there's no Texas connections here. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no it, – it's a fundamental issue. Um, I, I also think this – I think that Jerry's right about uh, the uh, idea right now of uh, Texas uh, going in the portal. I will say this. I've actually heard some positive things in uh, Isaiah Nayor of late, potentially staying. So let's see where that ends up because he has retained Texas has retained his um, his uh, red shirt year for him, which you know you can say what you want, but Sark by not playing him has done that. So let's see where it all ends up. I, I don't know for sure, but something to watch. That's a very interesting nugget for sure. All yeah, right, I, and I want to be. I don't want to overstate. I'm just one time. I thought he was probably for sure going to be gone. Via the portal, I don't know that that's necessarily the case, given that he has this extra year of eligibility now. And that definitely make a lot of Texas fans happy, no doubt about that. Now, I have one more super chat about recruiting, Jerry. Dale Allen says, "Good morning from Chile, Reno. Is there any word on Corey and Gibson?" Uh, he made Jared Gibson, Jared Gibson, or Corey Gibson. We'll go through both. Jared Gibson uh, uh, appears to be solid uh, with Texas. He did not uh, show up at Florida's game last weekend. He also didn't go to the Texas game this weekend, uh, but we'll we'll keep monitoring that. Corey Gibson, I think, remains solid with Clemson, and I, I'd be surprised if that changes. All right, guys, and then we have a question here from E. Kim, and it's Jerry, it's for you as well. Who do you see as Texas high school football state champions for class 4A through 6A? Put oh, you gosh. I, I need to look a little closer at like a fourth round matchups. I mean, I'm going with I'm going with uh, Carthage for sure um, as one of the fours. Uh, but I, I need to look I need to look a little bit closer at the third fourth round matchups. I haven't I haven't done that yet. Well, don't you go with Desoto and Duncanville for two of them? Oh, maybe North Shore over Duncanville this year. It, yeah, it, it's it's going to be inter- it's going to be interesting. I think if Duncanville and North Shore play again. 
I mean, I might lean North Shore. Duncanville's a more talented team, but uh, North Shore is they, – they got a little – they got something going on with that new staff that was all holdovers from Coach K's staff. There continues to be great buy-in at that program. I'll say that. I think Alito's a safe pick <laughs> for 5-8 for sure. I don't think anybody's beating them. Just Soto, to your point, uh, in Division Two and 6A, but – uh, it's going to be some good matchups this year for sure, guys. I mean, look, look, here's the thing with North Shore. Summer Creek's really good. They beat them by 10. Atasca Seed is really good. They beat them 61-35. I mean, so North Shore's getting better as the season's moved along. Uh, quarterback's healthy. Um, they lost a tight end for the season to an injury, which I, I wonder if that hurts them deep in the playoffs. Uh, but they're, they're, North Shore's playing really well. Okay, well, let's move on here, and we have some more questions before we get going. This one from Archmania. He says, is it possible for Devondre Sweat to be a top five overall pick? Hey, Jerry, how do you compare him? I haven't watched this guy enough, but the defensive tackle that I see on everybody's top 15 list is Drazon Newton from Illinois. Yeah, How How do those two guys compare? Newton's more of the athletic three-tech guy that can really get up the field and rush the passer from the defensive line, from the interior defensive line. So I think his value is probably higher in the NFL, especially if he goes out and tests really well. Uh, By the way, two three-star guys. So for people that just want the five-star D tackles, we're talking about two three-star guys. Drazon Newton was out of Florida. The big the big powers in the SEC and Florida schools didn't want him. He ended up at Illinois. He was out of Clearwater, Florida area. Um, so two three-star guys we're talking about, but Newton is a very athletic guy that can get after the passer from the interior. All right, this next question, kind of along those same lines when it comes to the NFL. Uh, Jose Rodriguez says, who is the best pro from the current team, whether it be a junior or senior? Mm. Uh the question, bro. That's a really tough question, man. Fred, oh, they can be junior or senior. So you got Jalen Ford, Jade Barron, uh, Sweat Murphy, Sorrell, probably, uh, Christian Jones, Jake Majors, maybe, Jonathan Brooks. Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittington. Could Jade Barron have a Quandre Diggs career? No, he's not that much of a stem winder. Like that's that's kind Quandre of Quandre is. Look, I like Jade Barron. Quandre is tough to the core. Like it's yes. just a different type of player, and yep. those guys really work well. And they they work through. I mean, they just play through everything. Um, J.T. Sanders, don't know. You know, that, that is a great question. I, I would probably go with Byron Murphy or Tavondre Sweat. I, yeah. So, by the way, there's some comments that uh, Sweat's way better than Jerzon Newton at Illinois. I just want to bring something up on Newton. Um, Sark in his Monday press conference said, you know, if you see D Lyman, those interior guys getting more than two tackles in a game, they're really doing something. Jerzon Newton is going to have 50 tackles for the third straight year. Uh, and he's going to end his career with about 20 sacks on a team 
that doesn't have Byron Murphy and Ethan Burke and all those guys around him. So he's been a dominant force on a not good team with not the same talent around him. Just something to kind of remember about that guy. He's very very talented, disruptive player. You can say what you want about Lovey Smith as a head football coach at Illinois, but he knew defensive talent. Yeah. I mean, he took those two corners. Uh, Jerzon Newton had another defensive lineman drafted as well. Lovey Smith did a good job of identifying lower-ranked kids that would go to Illinois. All right, well, we've talked about some of the older guys. Now let's talk about some of the younger ones. Helio Castillo says, what positions on defense do Burrell, Gillette, Roberson, and McDonald project to? Great question. So let's say where they're at right now. Burrell's inside linebacker. Gillette is outside edge. Roberson is at cornerback right now. McDonald is at at a star. star. Okay, where do we expect them to be long-term? I think Burrell's what he is as a backer. Yep. Uh, Gallette depends on where his frame goes. Um, I, he's definitely going to be an outside edge guy. It's whether – is he going to be a drop backer or is he just going to be an edge uh, rush guy? Warren Roberson to me is the most interesting one, Bobby, because he came out as a safety, and I don't think anybody was thinking he was going to play corner. Um, so it's great to train him at corner this year. Um, does he stay at corner long term? We'll see. I think he has maybe the most uh, versatility, position versatility of any of these guys. And Jelani McDonald, Bobby, I'm not sure he's ever going to be that linebacker body guy. I, I, it'll be interesting to see where Texas takes him. Uh, I think Roberson could end up at corner, nickel, or safety. I think he could end up anywhere in the secondary. I, 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 uh, look, I think Roberson needs to get time at multiple positions. That's what I'm hearing, you know, is he makes so many plays and he's the kind of guy that you want to get on the field somehow. Yes. So where are your weaknesses right now in the secondary? If you're looking forward, safety, maybe corner, Ryan Watts leaves. Who do you have opposite, uh, Muhammad or other than Muhammad and, uh, Terrence Brooks next year. Um, th- that's the one that is kind of that asterisk for me because I think Jalen Gilbo is going to be good enough to start at star. And then McDonald, you know, I, I think he could be in a, a safety I, and I, or a Maurice Blackwell type, more yeah. so than a star. We'll, we'll see. But the good thing about that, and Jerry just mentioned, is the versatility they have there. And the other thing is, what happens if PK doesn't come back next year and he goes to USC, then you're, you're looking at a totally different defensive style, maybe, yeah. uh, of somebody coming in uh, that, that would throw all positions up into uh, kind of a little bit of a craziness. We'll, we'll see. All right, Terrell Hennigan has a question. He says, we really have four main states where most of our kids come from, Texas, California, Arizona, Louisiana. With the move to the SEC, where's the next place that Texas could get consistent recruit from? I'm gonna add, I'm gonna add a fifth. Florida's in that now. That will be five kids in two classes if they all sign. So so let's say five states. Um, Georgia's obviously the state. Texas, as long as uh, Tashar choices at Texas, uh, they've tried to recruit. You know Daniel Calhoun there. They've tried to get in and recruit numerous guys. But I think in Georgia, and I know this Ryan Nelson loves this this topic. Living in Georgia. I think South Georgia is where you start. I, I go go make and go south. Uh, really recruit those areas. There are a lot of really good players down there. 
um, that aren't that Georgia can't only Georgia's only going to take 15, 16 guys from the state. Clemson's going to recruit more of that Atlanta metro area. Tennessee is as well. Uh, there's some really good players south of that Atlanta metro area in the state of Georgia. Um, that I think if you uh, it, it, the problem is how much time and resources are you going to put into it? Because when you recruit the more rural areas, Bobby, that's a lot of time spent on the road not hitting as many schools. When you go into Atlanta, you hit four, five, six schools in one day. Here's my piece on that. You're, the, the, the states aren't wrong other than the addition of Florida, like Jerry mentioned. I would like to see Texas do more on I-20 going from Dallas all the way into Vicksburg, Mississippi. Yeah. So that northern Louisiana territory um, has been virtually untapped and kind of seeded a little bit too much, in my opinion. Uh, Texas needs to go up there more. Yeah, that is, that is an area that doesn't. While LSU is strong up there, certainly the strongest. A lot of kids go to Arkansas. A lot of kids go to Ole Miss. A lot of kids go to Tennessee. I mean, they go where they could go to A and M. That's an area where it, it's actually not. It's within the state of Louisiana, so it's not a different state. But Texas, thus far, is really concentrated on the I ten corridor of Louisiana. I think they could focus a little bit more on the I-20 corridor in North Louisiana. Hi, guys. We got two more Super Chats before we get out of here. The first one from Just the Dude. He said, thank you. He says, Jim, I must get for 25 is Michael Fasusi. I get a great vibe from his tape. My question is, where would you rank him among past O-line recruits? I think as a pass pro guy, he's right there with everybody. He doesn't have quite as thick a frame as Kelvin Banks does. I think that's the one thing with Fasusi. Um, and so that's one thing to watch with him. I don't think he's like you got to watch him as seniors, though, because Kelvin Banks is a it was a tremendous pass pro guy. He was so well coached by Kenny Harrison, former Texas alignment. Kenny's got a really good offensive mind there at Summer Creek. You uh, used to coach in the Port Arthur area, obviously, Jamal Charles, all those guys. But Banks from junior to senior year, as far as being physical in the run game, he went to a total different level. So I want to say Fasusi's not Banks, but Fasusi's still a junior. And you look at the big jump Banks made in one area of his game from junior to senior year, and his trajectory just went to a total different place for me. So let's see what Fasusi does from junior to senior year. But I don't think he's where as talented as Kelvin Banks was at the same at the same point in time in, in their high school careers. All right, then last one for today, guys. And Sean Rabe wants you to call your shot. Do y'all think UT wins out and makes the playoffs with Quinn back? And thank you, Sean, for the super chat. I'll let either one of you go. <laughs> if Texas wins out, um, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I just think there's too much football to be played. Exactly. People lose in November. I mean, how we somebody posted this earlier in the chat. We see it every year. I mean, teams are going to lose. I mean, well, you know, Michigan, Texas went out. Um, so my te here's my thing: if Texas wins this weekend, I absolutely think they went out. Interesting. I, I, I like, agree TCU's not good. Yeah, but this is Super Bowl Saturday in Fort Worth. They're four and five. They can save their season. They're a pass first team. If Texas goes in there and and I say this, the the bad thing for TCU is they haven't tackled well all year. I'm not sure outside Dominic Williams over the ball, their D line can hold up. Um, and I think Texas has a lot of favorable matchups, even against that three high. Um, and I don't, and I think TCU will struggle in pass protection more than people think. Their interior is not great. I think their tackles are susceptible against Texas level talent. 
So Texas should win the game. They just got to go win the game. But if Texas walks out of Fort Worth with a W, I think they're going to win out. Yes. That's how big this game is. Yeah. Man, that's that's those are that's those are high words, Jerry. I mean, people look, you go one and oh, you go three and oh. I'll take that. I just think Ohio State, I mean, Ohio State, but Iowa State just struggles to move the football and score. I mean, Texas is going to have to bust coverages and assignments in that game. Iowa State just has not been good enough on offense, um, and they're really good on defense, but they just haven't been able to. They're just not good enough on offense. And then, like I said, if Texas wins the next two and it's 10 and one with Tech coming to town, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to put up any, any, anything on the lockers. You don't have to say rat poison. You don't have to say anything at that point. The Texas team knows, knows they're two wins away. And they know that Joey McGuire is coming to town and. Uh-huh. Yep. I mean, they heard that stuff. There, there's no bulletin board material needed at that game, right? And they lost in overtime in Lubbock last year right. in a game that they dominated the first half in. I mean, I – Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, before we get out of here, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody what they can expect later today on On Texas Football. Absolutely. I'm going to get with Eric Nalini, publisher of Inside Texas, here momentarily and uh, record State of the Program. Uh, uh, we also got uh, some other things coming along as well. Uh Jerry and uh, uh, the folks will be on a live stream tonight. Jerry's going to be uh, heading east. I, I, we, he doesn't want to say exactly where he's going, but he's heading east uh, to, to meet with some prospects and go to school, high schools. Uh, him, uh, Rod Babers, be on tonight. Uh, then we're back tomorrow, of course, with coffee and football. Uh, thank you to the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, we appreciate Adam and his group. And also thanks to these guys. Manscaped. Yeah. I'm going to read this. Use promo code on Texas for $20 off and free shipping. Uh, Blake, uh, we appreciate you too, bud, as well. Uh, and please also consider a subscription at this point to InsideTexas.com. That's where Jerry and I are each and every day. Uh, I wrote an article this morning already talking about uh, whether or not uh, Texas should go with uh, a 100% Malik Murphy or a 70% perhaps Quinn Ewers. All right, y'all. That's going to do it for today's episode. We want to thank our sponsors. As Bobby said, I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate that as well. And ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time a video is posted right here on On Texas Football. And for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Welcome.